Faith, Hope and Love, Episode 345, the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year C. Christ's ministry was an extensive one. His mission was all-encompassing. Its final focus would be nothing less than the fulfilment of his mission through something he described as his great ultimate hour, or time. This hour, or time, would be when he, as the sacrificial lamb of God, would offer his very self for the life of the world. Christ's great message to us is that God leaves the best for last, and the good news is that at the very last, God will be utterly faithful to us and fulfill all his promises to us. Everything about God and Christ's earthly life and mission, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, is top shelf. There's no half measures with God shown by Jesus' life. No half-baked quality here, but the best of everything for us. At the very outset of his public ministry, Mary, his beloved mother, asks our Lord to help a wedding couple in a terrible situation. They're in a socially embarrassing situation at their wedding reception. Christ turns this simple act of kindness into a sign of the kingdom and a sign of the meaning of his whole ministry, which is to provide the best wine of mercy, compassion, inclusion, charity and heartfelt invitation into the banquet feast of the kingdom of God. He is surely asking this question of his mother in an ironic way when he says, Why turn to me? My hour has not yet come to provide the best wine of the wedding feast of the kingdom of God where I will be bridegroom and the people of God will be the bride. Of course, he immediately helps and uses this incident as a foretaste of what is to come and what a beautiful foretaste it is. If this is just a sample of the kingdom of God, then our minds are truly blown. We're astounded, and so we should be, with this richness, this graciousness, this absolute non-stinginess that God operates out of all the time. This is what we're invited into. This is what we're invited to become more and more in our own lives and actions too. This gospel would have to be one of the most delightful and profound passages, and it has so many levels and is rich in symbolism. You can tell from the subtle difference between what is said and what is done that the translation of this particular incident is complicated, and our traditional translations don't quite capture the full picture of what's going on here but we can still guess at it. If we could have seen the faces of Jesus and Mary as they spoke, and if we could have observed their body language and the tone of their voice, I'm sure the true meaning would be even clearer. But the clarity is still there. To expand on the situation, this is probably a more accurate picture of what was going on. Mary turned to Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. Now this situation would be intolerable and utter humiliation to this humble village wedding couple and their families, and a terrible failure of strong traditions of hospitality expected in that time and culture. Mary was clearly feeling for the terrible shame that would have occurred for this poor family. It would have ongoing repercussions for this humble bride and groom at the very start of their lives as a family. Perhaps they could not afford the sufficient amount of wine required. If we could see Jesus' reaction, it would reveal much. Perhaps better still, this can be more effectively rendered as, My lady, is this the time when I will pour forth the new wine of the kingdom? Surely it's not that time. 
He's being ironic and speaking as a prophet. Jesus knows that he's come into the world to usher in the fullness of the kingdom, to pour forth the wine, the new wine of the covenant, sealed in his own blood, poured forth as a ransom for all. He knew that that new wine of the kingdom would only come in its fullness when he had suffered, died and rose again. I think he would have had a twinkle in his eye and perhaps also a tear in his eye as he noted that this was all ahead of him. It was all yet to come. It would mean his complete self-sacrifice, an utterly generous offering of absolutely all of himself, the absolute completeness of God's gracious love for us. However, this moment at the wedding would be a little forerunner and sign of the true wine of the kingdom, which is about God's utter faithfulness, God's graciousness and mercy, God's overflowing and immeasurable generosity and kindness, particularly to people who are in a bind. This action is a wonderful sign of God's kingdom of joy, justice and inclusion. The Virgin Mary knew he was going to do something about this situation, for he is graciousness and compassion personified. Mary trusted in him totally. Our Lady also surely knew that he was going to do greater things in the future, of which this example was only a rich and stunning foretaste. We know that John the Baptist had been preaching the imminent coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist had actually warned of a time of God's judgment and retribution, of fearful punishment of sins. This wedding miracle, however, makes it quite clear that the Messiah will come not with a big stick of judgment, but with graciousness, mercy, generosity, compassion, kindness, and the joy of a time of great jubilee and celebration. Jesus the Messiah would characterize the kingdom of God as a messianic banquet feast, rather than an apocalyptic time of punishment and judgment and retribution. Perhaps Jesus' reply to Mary, remembering that he was still in the very early days of his ministry, also indicated, so is this how it's to be? Not fasting, austerity, punishment and severity, but the overflowing generosity and joy of God's time of favour? So be it. Let's see already unfolding the outpouring of God's overwhelming generosity. Let's see. Let us taste it. Fill those stone jars over there and let us see which it is to be. For Jesus trusted totally in his heavenly Father and was utterly obedient to the Father's will, as Mary would certainly have known when she asked the question of Jesus and when she instructed the attendants to do everything he tells you. Instructions kept to the letter. There's something else too. This is a profound miracle and a beautiful sign. It's a reminder of God's blessing of marriage, the gracious generosity of God's love for us, and his joining with us in the joyful and sacred moments of our lives. What a wonderful miracle to reveal God sitting amongst us and enjoying and blessing marriage and times of joy. Why did Jesus not reserve this amazing sign for a more so-called important event, like a dinner where Herod was present, or where Pontius Pilate was there to be convinced beyond doubt of Jesus' credentials. But of course, we know the answer to that. That's not God's ways. That would be human thinking. God deliberately chose a humble family wedding in a small and poor village to show the utter faithfulness of God's glory and graciousness. God's message is for the poor, God's kingdom is found in the everyday and the ordinary, and the humble shall inherit the kingdom. 
It's also for the ordinary people that Jesus came to bring the good news, just as much for those high and mighty. It also says something really important about the ordinary everyday events of our home life, our work life and our social life. God's kingdom is to be encountered just as much in the everyday and ordinary events of life as in the occasional and extraordinary events that can occur as well. This wedding feast miracle brought God right down into the home, into the home circle, into the ordinary things of life. Jesus' action at Cana of Galilee shows what he really thought of the home. God manifested his glory, and that showing of his true glory took place within a home. To him, home was a place for which nothing but the best was good enough. It was where he put his best foot forward. We've already seen that in the East, hospitality was always a sacred duty. It would have brought unspeakable embarrassment and shame to that home that day if the wine had run out. It was to save a humble Galilean family from hurt that Jesus put forth his power that day. It was in sympathy, in kindness, in understanding for ordinary humble folk that Jesus always acted. This is Faith, Hope and Love. shall bow down before you, O God, and shall sing to you, shall sing to your name, O Most High. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Hello everyone, and kindness and grace to you all. As one family in Christ, let us prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries by first calling to mind our sins. Lord Jesus, you have revealed yourself as the way to the Father. Lord, have mercy. You have poured out on your people the spirit of truth. Christ, have mercy. You are the Good Shepherd, leading us to eternal life. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God.
Let us pray for peace in our times. Almighty ever-living God, who govern all things both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The Word of the Lord Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. O sing a new song to the Lord, sing to the Lord all the earth. O sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim his help day by day, tell among the nations his glory and his wonders among all the peoples. The Lord is great and worthy of all praise, to be feared above all gods. Give the Lord you families of peoples, give the Lord glory and power, give the Lord the glory of his name, bring an offering and enter his courts, worship the Lord in his temple, O earth tremble before him, proclaim to the nations God is king, he will judge the peoples in fairness, proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the spirits the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, 
to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. The Word of the Lord Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. God has called us with the gospel to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding about a hundred litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The Gospel of the Lord Always in John's writings there are many layers of meaning and symbol. There are probably a dozen or more ways to unpack this particular passage concerning the wedding celebration at Cana. The image of a wedding is frequently used in the First Testament to describe the relationship of God and his people. The changing of water into wine is a symbol of the old order giving way to the new. Mary is involved in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and again at the end at the foot of the cross. Her ministry, and ours by association, must always be seen in relationship to that of her son. However, I might leave that discussion of a deeper symbolism to those better equipped than I am to deal with it. My interest was sparked 
by a very prosaic sentence at the very beginning of the passage. They're midway through the wedding celebration, and a mother says to her son, They have no wine. Who could fail to resonate with that scene? The excitement, the joy, the festivities, and it all suddenly comes to a halt. The wine runs out. The honeymoon is over. So many times in our lives do things not go as we'd planned. My new job promised to be an exciting one, but after a while I discovered that there were long stretches of boredom. Challenge is gone. That university or college with the great reputation, the one I worked so hard to gain entry to, turned out to be overly bureaucratic and impersonal, and my life is little more than an endless series of exams and assignments. We were so thrilled to have formed that new and deep friendship, but with time came little misunderstandings, a coolness, more infrequent contact. A marriage was great at the beginning. It still may be sound, but somewhere along the line the wine ran out. In our life as a Christian, we might be quick to talk to others about hope, but when we're first plunged into a serious depression or receive news that we had a terrible illness, the wine ran out. I believe that it's precisely at these points, when the wine has run out, that the gospel has a chance to work in our lives. Jesus enters our lives with a transforming power. He has the power to draw wine from the bland water that our lives have become. He comes with the message that says, like all good wine, this wine needs time to ferment, to become vintage wine. Now can I really believe that such a miracle can happen in my life? Even though Jesus performed the miracle, it was not a solo performance. He needed the servants to draw the water and pour it into the jugs. Not only can Jesus transform the loss, the boredom, the pain, the betrayal that we feel in our lives, not only can he restore the hope that we knew once and feel that the love has gone out of our lives, not only can Jesus do this, but he asks us to help with the miracle. Are we simply to be recipients of the miracle of hope, or can we also become part of making that miracle happen for others? Some time ago, the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference released its social justice statement, entitled, Jesus, Light for the World, Living the Gospel. And it begins with an interesting parable. It was the fourth last house at the edge of town as the highway headed south. The family that lived there had small children, so there was always a light on in case one of the little ones was a bit sick or afraid. That practical light brought some calm to the house and a feeling of safety, but it could be seen from outside too. Some nights a stranger in need of help would call, drawn by the light, and thinking that if there was a light on, then there was someone awake who could help. And the husband or wife would have to wake and decide whether to answer, knowing that the light that kept the children secure had attracted others in distress or possible danger. Jesus is the light in our lives. His light for our footsteps and the guide for our path. His light transforms the darkness and emptiness of our lives. In this transformation, we become more alive to hope and the joy in our heart, feeling that we've often been lost and forgotten, but now we are recovered. And others too are attracted to this light. They search for a glimmer of hope in their bleak lives. But will we cooperate with Christ in the great miracle of transformation? Is there a way out? 
Every Christian is called to be a servant, not just of oneself, not just of one's family and loved ones, not just of one's church, but of all humanity. The Second Vatican Council's document, The Church in the Modern World, makes it clear. The joys and hopes, the grief and anguish of the people of our time, especially those who are poor and afflicted, are the hopes and joys, the grief and anguish of the followers of Christ as well. Nothing that is genuinely human fails to find an echo in their hearts. And we are here to tell the whole world there is always more wine. And the new wine is Christ, whom we offer to all. The Apostles' Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. We come before the Lord in prayer, knowing that he will hear us. that the Pope, the bishops, and all the leaders of the Church may reflect the love of Jesus in their lives to those they serve. We pray to the Lord that all in positions of authority may work for wise and compassionate government, for justice and for peace. We pray to the Lord that Christian communities who live in situations of oppression may take heart from our Christian struggle on their behalf. We pray to the Lord that people will be appreciative of the Lord's gifts and use them for the benefit of all. We pray to the Lord that those who have died may share in Christ's eternal glory especially those for whom we now pray. We pray to the Lord. God of love, you have called us gently and welcomed us lovingly. We ask you to hear the prayers of those who seek to follow in your ways 
and may no word of yours fall to the ground unheeded. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. With humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, our Lord, and may this sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, that we may participate worthily in these mysteries, for whenever the memorial of this sacrifice is celebrated, the work of our redemption is accomplished. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For through his paschal mystery he accomplished the marvellous deed by which he has freed us from the yoke of sin and death, summoning us to the glory of being now called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, to proclaim everywhere your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The Mystery of Faith When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Mark, our Bishop, and his assistant, Ken, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever. Amen. At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
May this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, through your death, gave life to the world, free me by this your most holy body and blood from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. May the body of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. May the blood of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. You have prepared a table before me, and how precious is the chalice that quenches my thirst. A prayer for spiritual communion in union with all who are unable to physically receive communion at this time. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you in my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Body of Christ. Amen. The blood of Christ. Amen. Let us pause for a time of quiet post-communion prayer and reflection.
What has passed our lips as food, O Lord, may we possess in purity of heart, that what has been given to us in time may be our healing for eternity. Let us pray. Pour on us, O Lord, the spirit of your love, and in your kindness make those you have nourished by this one heavenly bread one in mind and heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks everyone and bless you all and may God's grace guide you each and every day of this coming week. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Faith, Hope and Love, Christian Worship and Reflection, led by Rev. Paul Kelly. Prayers and Chants, the Roman Missal, 3rd edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Scriptures, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and 2009, the NCC USA. Psalms, 1963 and 2009, The Grail, Collins Publishers. Prayers of the Faithful, Together We Pray, by Robert Borg, E.J. Dwyer Publishers, 1993, Sydney, Australia. Sung Mass in Honour of St. Ralph Sherwin, by Jeffrey M. Ostrovsky, The Gloria, copyright 2011, ccwatershed.org. Faith, Hope and Love, Theme Hymn, in memory of William John Kelly, inspired by 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13. Music by Paul W. Kelly, arranged and sung with additional lyrics by Stefan Kelt, 2019. Quiet Time Instrumental Reflection Music, written by Paul W. Kelly, 1988-2007, and this arrangement, Stephen Kelp, 2020. Today I Arise, Patricia J. Kelly, original words and music by Paul W. Kelly, inspired by St. Patrick's Prayer, arranged and sung with additional lyrics by Stephen Kelp, 2019. Production by KER 2022. May God bless and keep you. Today I arise with love from on high, the name of the three in one. Today I arise through heavenly eyes, your grace to God and guide. Today it begins with strength from within, this day. I will